ఇంట్రొడక్షన్స్ టు వేదాంత టెక్స్ట్స్ బై శ్రీ శ్రీ సచ్చిదానందేంద్ర సరస్వతి స్వామీజీ హొళే నరసీపుర కర్ణాటక ఇండియా ఇన్ దిస్ లెక్చర్ సిరీస్ వీ హ్యావ్ ఆల్రెడీ సీన్ నైన్ సెషన్స్ టుడేస్ ఈస్ ది టెన్త్ సెషన్ ఓం శ్రీ గురుభ్యో నమహ హరి ఓం శ్రీ గణేషాయ నమహ డాక్టర్ కృష్ణమూర్తి శాస్త్రి దంబే పునచ బంటువాళ్ళ తాలూకు దక్షిణ కన్నడ జిల్లా కర్ణాటక భారత బ్రహ్మవిద్యారహస్య వివృతి ఇంట్రొడక్షన్ ది టైటిల్ ఆఫ్ ది వర్క్ దిస్ బుక్ హ్యాస్ బీన్ ఎంటైటిల్డ్ బ్రహ్మవిద్యారహస్య వివృతి బికాస్ ఇట్ ఏమ్స్ ఇట్ రివీలింగ్ ద ట్రూ నేచర్ ఆఫ్ బ్రహ్మవిద్య ఆర్ ది రైట్ నాలెడ్జ్ ఆఫ్ బ్రహ్మన్ బ్రహ్మన్ ఈస్ as most of us know the reality underlying all the phenomenal universe all upanishads according to shankara purport to teach that brahman alone as the real self of the universe and that each one of the individual selves in it is essentially identical with that brahman brahman in its dual aspect before arriving at this ultimate conclusion of upanishadic teaching the interpreter of the text has to surmount two seemingly formidable difficulties in the first place he has to recognize that brahman which is in itself void of all specific features nirvishesha and therefore ineffable is defined in positive terms such as satyam real gnanam consciousness anandam bliss anantam mm-hmm. never ending as often as it is described negatively example nishkalam nishkriyam shantam niravadyam niranjanam partless actionless free from plurality free from blemish untainted and in the second place he has to realize that brahman is presented in two different aspects viz in a context where inquiry into its real nature is in view and in another context where meditation on its nature is enjoined In the former case, Brahman is called Parabrahman, higher Brahman and even while it is taught through associating factors, these are to be regarded only as devices employed for purposes of instruction and not as actually appertaining to it. In the later case, it is Aparabrahman, the lower Brahman and should be regarded as endowed with qualifying adjuncts and both Brahman and its qualities must be supposed to have been recommended for meditation shankara has stated this in so many words when he observes evam ekam api brahma apekshito upadi sambandham nirasto upadi sambandham cha upasyatvena jnayatvena cha vedanteshu upadishyate thus one and the same brahman is taught in upanishads as qualified by adjuncts to be regarded as belonging to it for the purpose of meditation and as devoid of all associating factors when it is proposed to be known inadmissible interpretations of vedanta failure to discriminate these governing principles of interpretation has misled some other bhashyakaras notably ramanuja for instance into regarding the entire body of the upanishads as purporting to teach a qualified brahman throughout and denying that there are any texts that teach brahman devoid of specific features and the inability to understand shankara's terminology correctly in regard to the use of words like ishwara and guna 
has been responsible for the misinterpretation of shankara on the part of a sub school which while recognizing the distinction of the higher brahman without distinctive qualities nirguna and the lower brahman with the particular qualities saguna maintained the absurd doctrine that even knowers of the non dual brahman become merged only in the qualified brahman and have to wait for absolute release till all the innumerable souls are finally released sarva mukti the scope of the present sub commentary In order to guard against all such aberrations I have chosen this particular chapter of the Chandogya where the saguna and the nirguna doctrines are couched in similarity of expression with regard to the description of brahman and the goal to be reached but two distinct and different methods of approach are detailed in the course of presentation I have made a sustained effort both in the body of the work and in the appendix to show how one and the same brahman with the same epithets is addressed in two different aspirants of two distinct levels of the intellect who are expected to meditate or intuit after attentive inquiry and reap the benefit of their effort in a world hereafter or in this very life according to their desert The work itself is divided into two main sections. The first is a description of the steps of meditation to be practiced before one gets a vivid vision, sakshatkara, of the goal and the eschatological fruits to be reached in the highest heaven or Brahmaloka. While this is undoubtedly a path of un, uh, unflinching faith to the very end, yet there are hopeful signs of experience felt in this very life also. as will be noticed in the secondary fruits which saved to the devotee the second section recounts how this reality can be intuited here and now by a qualified and strenuous inquirer through introspection the results of the inquiry as revealed through the dialogue between prajapati and indra also serve as a guarantee of what is taught in the previous section reason is thus made the support of faith and places the upanishadic doctrine on a firm foundation I fervently hope that this humble attempt will be of some service to students of Shankara Vedanta Shankara Vedanta in reconciling reconciling the apparently conflicting teachings with regard to Brahma Vidya Next Gita Shastra Artha Vivekah Introduction Bhagavad Gita or Lord's song as it has been called has suffered from the very popularity it has gained in the literary world in proportion to the number of languages into which it has been translated and the numerous new commentaries that have sprung up besides the varieties of expositions that have been making their appearance almost every year our ability to spot and appreciate the genuine gita teaching seems to be thinning out more and more The great Shankaracharya whose bhashya on the work is the most ancient one yet available had to bend under the weight of the increasing number of sub commentaries and newer and newer interpretations My aim in writing the present work however is not concerned with these differences and conflicts of interpreters I only wanted to make an experiment and see whether it is uh, whether it be not possible to make Shankara explain himself independently of the assistance offered by glossators and whether it be not practicable to get a system of gita teaching by an analysis of the work purely on the basis of the self explanatory bhashya 
I now find that it is not only feasible but also the only means of arriving at the conclusive teaching of Gita as regards both spiritual discipline and enlightenment. Only this way at last or at least that is what I have come to believe the several tenets are to be felt to be in perfect unison and form an intelligible whole serving as a guide on the path to aspirants for enlightenment and realization of their true self. The reader, of course, has to judge for himself and see how far this conclusion of mine is appealing to his own heart. And now for the teaching itself. Shankara says that Bhagavad Gita is a smriti containing the quintessence of all Vedic teaching. Samastha Vedartha Sarasangraha Bhutam. And he confirms this view of his in the Sutra Bhashya also, for even where Badrayana appeals to a Smriti in general terms, Shankara Bhashya adduces specific shlokas from Gita. This view has the sanction of Sri Krishna himself, who appeals to the Vedas and the Vedanta tradition in Gita. This fact is of great importance to the seeker of truth here, for unlike the other darshanas, Gita, according to Shankara, based as it is on Upanishads, never appeals to perception and other canons of right knowledge, pramanas, but to the shastraic knowledge and universal intuition, jnanam vijnana sahitam. I have therefore cited the relevant Upanishad texts, texts in footnotes wherever Gita appears merely to echo the Shruti without striving to prove facts. This accounts for Shankara's following the traditional custom of styling this sacred work as Gita Shastra, implying thereby that it is based upon Shastra or the Veda only. I have given my reason for considering the colophon at the end of each chapter of the Gita as not really forming part of the text. Nevertheless, this tale piece to be found in most of the printed books contains a valuable description of the nature of the contents of the Gita when it characterizes the work as Brahma Vidya, knowledge of Brahman and Yoga Shastra, the science of Yogas, for notwithstanding the loud pro- protestation of the dualistic schools of Vedanta to the contrary, Bhagavad Gita is really Brahma Vidya in the strict sense of the term. That is to say, it closely follows Upanishads when it declares in unmistakable terms that Brahman is the very self residing in the heart of each creature. Ahamatma guda kesha sarvabhuta shayasthitaho. And conversely, the individual soul in all the bodies is really the divine being. Kshetra jnanchapimam vidhi sarvakshetre shubharata. For further details regarding the divinity, as understood by the author of Gita, the reader is referred to the chapter 18 in Bhagavad Tattva Viveka of the present work. As for the other epithet, Yoga Shastra, it should be observed that on the right understanding of the term Yoga depends what we would regard as the essential teaching of this holy scripture concerning the means to final release from life's bondage. According to Shankara, ultimate resting in the intuition of reality with the metaphysical renunciation of all empirical activity is what is called yoga, while the secondary yogas to wit the karma yoga, the dhyana yoga and the bhakti yoga are so called because they directly or indirectly lead to this yoga par excellence. In particular, according to Gita, each and every yoga becomes entitled to be called by that name only in so far as it is somehow related to Bhagavan or the divine being. It should be especially noted 
that the terms yoga and sankhya do not bear the same connotation in gita as they do in the schools of philosophy ordinarily known by these names i have therefore drawn the attention of the reader to this fact at every outset chapters of 4 and 5 so as to wean away this uh, his mind from the usual prejudice against gita which has led some thinkers to surmise that this scripture is a mixture of these darshanas with a sprinkling of vedanta further in order to convince the beginner of that gita in spite of its frequent use of sankhya and yoga terms has altogether its own system to offer i have in the appendix compared and contrasted it with these two darshanas with reference to some important particulars of doctrine a special feature of the present work is that a considerable portion of it is devoted to discriminate the several shades of meaning of certain important technical terms interspersed throughout a clear grasp of which alone can enable one to distinguish the several doctrines here propounded the fairly the fairly exhaustive index at the end is intended to strengthen and prepare the intellect of the beginner for this line of inquiry i hope that this humble analysis of gita teaching in accordance with shankara's bhashya will rouse the curiosity of the reader and stimulate him to take a more diligent study of that sacred work as also of the classical works of that ancient acharya with special reference to his views on gita my labor in producing a pioneer work of this kind will have been amply rewarded if bhagwan narayana's grace produces this effect upon the minds of even a small number of those that happen to dip into this booklet so here i want to stop this 10th session in the next 11th session we shall start with vedantins meet introduction hari rama shri shri sachidanandendra saraswati charanaravindarpitamastu सर्वे जना सुखिनो ओं तत्सत